Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. By no one's demand, but our own, and from our home office here in beautiful Elizabeth Park, Nashville, Tennessee, it is the 615 Sessions podcast, powered by Tennessee Tickets, brought to you as always by A to Z Sports and A to Z Sports Nashville.com. Happy Thursday. Hope everyone is feeling right, living well. We have a great conversation, some return guests to the pod, Joe Rexroad of The Athletic, Paul Kaharski of Midday 180. We are going to get the boys back together via Zoom, socially distanced, of course, but it's been too long, and we are going to discuss the comments made by Titans quarterback Ryan Tannehill on Wednesday. You're going to hear from QB1 himself. We will discuss as a group. We got five good minutes on NASCAR taking down the stars and bars. It's going to be a great 615 Sessions podcast here to get your weekend started right. So without further ado, let's get to Paul Kaharski and Joe Rexford. Back here, 615 Sessions podcast. Powered by Tennessee Tickets, A to Z Sports, A to Z Sports Nashville.com. We have done many deep conversations here lately on the podcast. And now, in the times of uh, social injustice protests and racism uh, being discussed across the country, we go to our senior white correspondents, Joe Rexrode of The Athletic and Paul Kaharski, as you can see behind him, of PaulKaharski.com. Hello, friends. Hey there. Speaking of that, Bubbly. I don't mean to like, you know. No free ads. Uh, no free ads. I'm sorry. This is all I drink now. Oh, he's got the t-shirt on. So we're all representing our co- corporation. Indeed. Uh, so we have just come off fresh from three Titans press conference Zooms with Ryan Tannehill, Rashawn Evans, and Kevin Byard. Almost none of it was spent on actual football, which is what we are going to discuss, how the three of them have handled it with a week. Uh, allowed to process it with Titans PR hiding them for the better part of a week and trotting us out with a Mike Vrabel statement to try and tide us over. Uh, We will talk about that. We'll talk about where the Titans are in their virtual offseason. And now by the time you hear this podcast, it will have come to a close. And what the hell things look like moving forward in the middle of all this. But let's, let's start with, should we go in order of the Zoom conferences or should we just go with the headliner? Because... I, we headline. can talk. We can this talk is your show, it. Buck. I'll guide it. Headline. Out of the way. We uh, we were going – Kevin Byard is the first person we talked to, but Ryan Tannehill, oddly enough, the white guy was the strongest on all of the stuff 
that is going on in, in the wake of the George uh, Floyd murder in the protest for police, against police brutality and for racial equality. Ryan Tannehill from the jump on all of this stuff has been super, super strong. And he made his first public comments to us media today. It's kind of like enough is enough, right? I mean, it's something that, that um, my eyes have been open to, the privilege I've, I've lived with my whole life just because of the color of my, my skin, um, the situations, my, my friends, my teammates, guys I love, uh, that they've been put in uh, throughout their life purely because of the color of their skin and things they have to deal with, which, which no, no man, no people should have to deal with. Um, you know, hearing stories, you know, I think when this first came around in 2016, um, I was on a team with Kenny Stills, who yeah. was able to educate me uh, about a lot of it. And I'm really thankful for a lot of the conversations that, that we've had uh, along the way. Um, just such a, an issue that affects millions of people that um, if you don't, I think the unfortunate thing about it is, you know, if you're a white person, you don't have to deal with it on a daily basis and, and you're not put in those situations. It's easy to just go about your life and, and not recognize it and not realize how big of a deal it is, how many people it affects on a daily basis. And I think with this push, I think more and more people are, are having an awakening to the reality of the situation and, and how deep it really is, how many layers of, of injustice there are to it. Uh, with the court system and uh, policing and um, just on on a day-to-day basis. So uh, like I said, there's so many layers to it. And I think that just this push was kind of like the, the, the straw that broke the camel's back. Right. I mean, it's been happening for for far too long and finally got to the point where enough is enough. And what would you say? Cause you're right. There are layers to this. So what would you say like for you personally, what will be the next step after speaking up? Yeah, so it's, it's conversation awareness, and then it has to lead to action. So um, I think education is, is a big part of it, educating uh, people who, white people who don't deal with it, educating them to the reality of the situation on what's going on and um, just leveling the playing field. I think uh, there's a lot of legislature that is going to have to get changed, and that's way above my head, way above my pay grade. But I think um, – I think the first step is, is awareness and education and just educating people on, on the systematic injustices that have been going on for, for a long, long time. And um, once we can have that education, the awareness, then we can all kind of work together towards, you know, finding that, that equality that I hope we'd all want. I guess what were your initial reaction guys to the press conference and just how, just how thoroughly he dissected every question that was tossed to him about it. Well, I haven't written it yet, but I'll, uh, it'll be out long before this podcast, I hope. At paulkoharski.com. You know, he certainly uh, seized the leadership position given to him in week seven last year when he took over as as, uh, Titans quarterback. And I think, uh, you know, it's not like a press conference with us on Zoom uh, seizes the leadership position more, but he certainly – uh, conveyed to us in the way in which he's taken further hold of it with his teammates through his expression of uh, his stance on these matters and through his willingness to go to, to go public with the thing that certainly isn't going to make a white quarterback popular with a certain segment, a certain segment of the population 
and certainly not with a certain segment of the population uh, in Nashville, Tennessee, and the southeastern United States. Um, I think an impressive, well-thought-out stance without any hesitation about uh, caring about what that certain segment of the population is going to think. And uh, just really strong and uh, informative. It informed me. Uh, when I'm trying to sit back and, and listen mostly to, uh, to people who live in a different skin than I do. And uh, that was one of the more educational um, conversations with a white athlete that I've heard by far. And critical of the league for not being on the forefront of this thing. Uh, Paul asked each of the three players that we spoke to today about Roger Goodell's statements and the position of the NFL on all of the things going on, the players united to put together a video with a with an NFL video coordinator that very easily could have cost himself his job had this thing gone another direction. But Rex Road, Tannehill was not was not at all shy about saying a little disappointed in the idea that football didn't get out there sooner. And right, and 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 he also said, you know, we'll see this fall. I mean. Right. I couldn't I couldn't be more impressed, guys, with Ryan Tannehill right now. And you know, we we've talked about we always talk about the guys on this team we cover, right? And in fact I can think of some conversations with Paul in particular about Tannehill and his willingness to talk about things and be open. And I think on football matters, he's a he's typically a very careful guy. I mean he's not saying a lot. He he's you know, I think he's very conscious of, of what he's saying, and he's never going to be a guy who, quote-unquote, fills the notebooks. Um, but I, to me, this was a totally different Tannehill, and, and I think it speaks to the fact that this, this isn't him saying, you know, I, I want to be a leader, and I'm going to say some stuff that maybe we're up with some feathers, but I think it's important to do. I think this is right at his core, and I think it goes back to, Kenny Stills in 2016 and what he thought of those protests then and how he's been educated and and how he's had a change of heart and has really sought out education and different perspectives. And like you guys said, the strength of the stuff he said today, man, I figured he would be good and talk about it and be open. And of course, he's been out before this very vocal, but I couldn't be more impressed with the way he handled that today. Quick aside, Joe, I actually like Tannehill more than most, more than you and your former yes. well, that's the discussion. Because uh, of the guy he followed, and he says way more than the guy he followed. So, uh, just, couldn't help, just couldn't help put a little fair, more dirt on the gray. We've got to rip Mariota. But yeah. see, no, and that is the discussion. That's exactly – and honestly, I, I don't agree. I don't think he says a ton more than Mariota. I think he says probably some more. Anybody says more than Mariota. <laughs> All right, we, get, we can't veer into this, Buck. Steer us away, Buck. No, 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 no. I'm going to lean into it because I think there's, I think there's a legitimate angle to be discussed there. What do you think Marcus Mariota would be saying right now? Absolutely zero. No, nothing nothing like we heard today. And, and I think that if you weren't ready to indict him for – I mean, media, media availability is not the place to indict a professional quarterback. On the field is the place to indict him if he's not able to execute his job. But with Marcus Mariota, with Ryan Tannehill being out there as one of the first, if not, was he the first quarterback 
to come out with such a strong stance in support of Black Lives Matter using the words police brutality on social media, on Instagram, in a way that Marcus Mariota, nowhere to be found, and he has his own reasons for not being on social media, right or wrong, but in a way that these guys can truly resonate with Ryan Tannehill as leader in the locker room. So a requisite of playing professional quarterback right now is not to be on social media, but it sure as hell helps when your teammates can see just how strong of an ally you are publicly and that you're going to follow through and not, not that you're not that you're good teammate behind the scenes. Those, those things matter, of course, very, very much. Marcus Mariota, by consensus, a good teammate, even as a backup, but Ryan Tannehill getting out there in front of all this stuff, AJ Brown is paying attention to that. Derek Henry is paying attention to that. Rashawn Evans, who I think, you know, we, we, what we saw, what I thought we're not going to, we're not going to break down the commentary by each of these three guys. I think the expectations should be tempered for each of the three that spoke today, Bayard, Rashawn, and Tannehill. But Rashawn was a, a different level of passionate about the cause, a little less focused, a little less experienced, Joe, in the way that you're talking about. Tannehill has had time to refine this point since 2016. I thought Bayard, you know, there wasn't anything, anything that came out for me, that was any stronger than anything else that we've heard. Not that it needs to be, but I, I guess I just expected a little more passion from him on the subject. But Tannehill, this guy is doing something, easy position as it may be to take, that is going to unite them in a massive way this season. Can I jump in on that real quick on Bayer? I, I think that's, I think, I think you saw it right, but I tell you what, this is also a thing that I think is important here. Kevin Byer was just being honest. Kevin Byer, like everyone doesn't have to feel exactly the same or have, you know, have the same conviction on this or that or even want to talk about it as much, you know, and, and that, and I wasn't surprised by how Kevin Byard approached it, you know, from we've been able to get to know him pretty well the last few years. And, um, you know, I think, I think he even, I think maybe there's some discomfort just in the idea of, of these questions. If Kevin Byard, he, he said it, you know, this is, this is whatever the quote was. This is sports, right? It's white and black guys that you put that stuff away. It's a meritocracy. I'm paraphrasing right now. Um, and then that's okay too. You know, I mean, look, he, he has experiences at Ryan Tannehill and we can't possibly know. But at the same time, it's also all right for different, you know, I guess measures or, or thoughts about this. I feel like in anything, there's groupthink that can happen. And I thought Bayard – I was glad we got Bayard today because I kind of expected some of what he said. And, and, I, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. And real quick on the quarterback thing, I think that's a great question. Has a white quarterback come out? like that. Now we know Deshaun Watson has come out uh, talking about his alma mater, um, you know, and a slave owner's name on the building and things like that. But it is different. It is different when you're talking about, you know, white players in this league joining this. And it's, it's really important. It's a really good point that you raised about Bayard. I think, uh, well, one thing he did say is like, there's a lot of other stuff going on in the world right now. And he wasn't just talking about Black Lives Matter and everything that's gone on post George Floyd, he's, you know, offered a reminder about COVID. He just said, 
there's a lot of football is not the most important thing right now. <clears throat> Excuse me. So he did offer offer that, but look, I I'm I mean we all do it. It's it's our business to a degree. I, uh, of the three of us of the, of the Nashville media core, I probably do it the most. I really parse what guys say, what they should have said, why this is stupid or bad, why this is really good. Now's not the time. Uh, and this topic certainly isn't the topic. Me being a middle-aged white guy certainly isn't the, uh, I'm not the right guy. No, go ahead and wait out there, Chief. Go for to it. To do that. So it's it's very disarming uh, kind of thing. And so, you know, I, I can't look at these three press conferences in that way. And you're right, Joe. Like, uh, I, I didn't know what to expect. And I don't have any, like, real reason to expect. Though I did – expect all three of them kind of because my sense of the league based on what I've seen by guys in the league on social media was to say Goodell was overdue to say what Goodell said he only said it because we put him in position where he had to say it and we'll see if he really means it because I think based on social media that's the tone of a good share of players in the league and that's how I feel having covered the league for a long time the league's a reactive uh slow to react uh, entity and you never know if they really mean it when the bottom line comes into question. Also, Roger Goodell answers to 32 owners, 31 owners, and uh, we have no idea if he talked to any of them. We haven't heard from any of them. Everybody wants to know what Jerry Jones really has to say. Uh, we're certainly curious what Amy Adams Strunk feels and we think that uh, she, she's been pretty supportive of her players since she took the controlling owner uh, job, but that's another layer to this whole thing that we're curious about. I wonder if she's been in one of these Zooms or not to hear these guys uh, talk, and I wouldn't be surprised if she has been, and we'll have a chance to ask Mike Vrabel and John Robinson that question soon. Yeah, she, and this is the thing about ownership, right? This is, that is who Roger Goodell works for, and it was the understanding of uh, people who reported on the situation that Goodell did that without full knowledge of the NFL owners, almost in, in some degree a protest of his own, because Goodell, I don't think Roger Goodell has necessarily been the problem. I think the people that he works for have been the problem when it comes to peaceful protest in the middle of your NFL Sundays. But your point is well taken, Paul, about these guys' skepticism about what it will look like in the fall. And I wonder what you guys have thought about the way that the conversation has kind of pivoted. Because that was, I thought that was a great point that Bayard has made when he was asked how, how NFL play or how the Titans, if discussions have been had at all on the subject, of whether they will take part in some kind of peaceful protest whenever it is that the season begins. And at this point, what, what, they, what the acknowledgement of that situation has been is that they haven't they haven't it's been it's become a conversation about kneeling again in a way that totally distracts from the larger point and I think that it's just an easier conversation to have and so that's why people are so quick to jump to it but I wonder how you guys how you guys have observed that narrative change just because people like us who talk for a living in the case of Paul and I, and Rex wrote certainly with plenty of experience doing so and writing about issues that revolve around sports, what the sports fans' reaction has been to kind of pivot back towards kneeling on Sundays. 
Well, I, th- I think it gets you right back into a black and white, excuse the pun, but uh, yes or no, no gray, uh, right? Nothing to decide. You can take a side and, and entrench yourself. And uh, maybe this has enlightened you some to change your thinking on that. But more often than not, you're going back to where you were on the initial debate. Uh, my stance has been, you know, I can't tell you what a guy's protesting about. He's going to tell me. These guys have said it's not about the flag. I don't think about it. it's about the flag. I think it's a lot of wasted conversation and energy when we could be talking about the things these guys want to talk about by drawing attention to it in the first place. But we went back to it on the midday 180 because Breeze took us there. That's why I think what Breeze did was a huge disservice just to not sidestep that. I hate guys sidestepping the question. There was a time, if ever there was a time to sidestep a question and redirect, that was it. And he got himself into a mess by not doing so. Well, it was just the defiance that he that he went out there yeah. with as soon as they were asked about it. It was it was a total total slap in the face. And we could have spent all this time instead of getting diverted back to the flag and the president coming back into it and all of that. We could have stayed on topic for a longer while before this came back. Um, but now we're back into the the to the same conversation. We wound up back into the same conversation on the midday one eighty. And I hate that it goes there because I think. There are, there isn't really, there aren't really two sides to the bigger conversation we're having now. This idea of, of Black Lives Matter, and I think we've made progress on this thing where people come back with all lives matter. Look, I, I put up on my personal Facebook page um, a, a snippet of a somewhat evangelical preacher, which is not my speed and not not the kind of church that I'm a member of. But the guy had a very good, concise message about Black Lives Matter and this, this counter of All Lives Matter, where he said, you're the kind of person then, if you can't wrap your head around the need to specifically look at Black, black Lives Mattering, who would have interrupted Jesus, not to yes. get super religious here, who would have interrupted Jesus during the Sermon on the Mount, where he said, blessed are the poor, and you would say, hey, wait, 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 blessed are everyone. This, this idea that we can't talk about a subset without somehow demeaning the bigger set is just ridiculous and and I think a lot of the country was is uh, and me included paying a lot more attention to this idea look here's here's a a subset that's in strife and we need to all if we're trying to be loving community people to any degree and that's not my reputation but uh, you know that's my humanity (laughs) uh you know look this is an issue these people are being killed and we need to pay attention to it and we need to listen to them. And, and the flag thing is just, it's a distraction. I don't want to tell people how to protest at all. And I don't have a problem with the flag, but you know, if they could take the flag out of it, maybe it'd be the best thing. Cause I don't know that they're ever going to win that anybody who's kneeling on the flag is ever going to get the conversation off the disrespect for America and the disrespect for the military and the disrespect for old glory and all of that stuff. I don't know that I'll ever go away and understand the discomfort and all of that, but the refocus has been so good and so strong now. I just hate that the conversation goes back to that. Yeah. A couple culprits. I mean, first of all, don't want to make this political at all, guys, but, you know, Donald well, why Trump not? is, you know, of course, this is this is a, a topic for him that, you know, he leans on. And so I he mean, has 
he has recycled it. But also – He told Jerry I, he, Jones the last time it happened it was a winning position for him. That's a quote. Yeah, and, and you know, look, media are bringing this up, and it's an obvious angle. And I totally agree with what Byers said and what Paul just said there. I, I, Paul, I agree with every word you just said. And also, I feel like you're becoming a more loving person in general. I think next time we meet, we're all going to have like a, a big hug in the press box. But um, Quickly before that, can we speak on the, the – Paul, can you quickly turn your camera off for us so we can see the loving side of Paul Kaharski? That, that, I think, is who's truly shining. There through. we go. <laughs> There's the loving Paul uh, Kowarski, for those of you viewing with us yeah, on YouTube. Joe Rexroad prefers a, 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 a picture of Mickey Ryan slapping his bass as a nine-year-old. That's just... Eter- eternal, yeah, eternal ecstasy Paul Kowarski picture. All right, go ahead, Rex. Listen, Bayard's point was dead on because – so we're going to talk about this now. We're having some good conversations about the big picture that, yes – we should all be – this is really not a one side or the other thing. It should not be. And so now we, we turn to this. And it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate what Bree said. Um, but it's, it's, going to be, it's going to be a battleground. I, it, it is. Uh, it's going to be – there's a long time between now and then, so it'll be interesting to see, you know, how, how teams deal with it and, and really how Goodell then deals with it and if he's willing to continue to, you know, to stick with – really what he just said but it is unfortunate I would say this too guys have you thought about everything we're talking about now the millions and I'm talking hundreds of millions of dollars that have been donated to social causes all these things and think about if any of that or at least a lot of that would have happened if Colin Kaepernick had never done what he did four years ago I mean no matter what anybody thinks about him I would hope everyone could acknowledge how much he started by what he did. Yeah, I, he, I mean, he's definitely uh, a, a big story here. I also wonder this, like, and I, I, sports don't have this long-term view. We're seeing it with baseball now with regard to, to the fighting going on in terms of the payment schedule for so coming dumb. back from COVID. But, <clears throat> you know, if the kneeling is going to happen and there's still that share of people that say, I'm not going to watch if this comes back, I'm not going to buy tickets. And you take a hit, at least in certain markets on that. Can you not, maybe not in immediate finances, Buck, turn that off. Maybe not in the immediate financial benefits, but in the benefits for the people who have been on the streets in all of these cities, and it's not just major cities. I saw like a slideshow the other day of all these middle-sized towns over America where a couple thousand people in little towns have been on the street. If you go a different direction as the league on this issue, can you not win some cred for your league that has a long-term benefit? Uh, the NFL is not about long-term benefit. It's about billions now. But, you know, if Jerry Jones changes his tune, does he ultimately enhance the value of the star on the helmet as opposed to, like, dollars over the cash register right now? Does anybody think long view like that at the NFL? I don't, I don't know. But I think those are things that have to be considered by some smart business people at some point. Well, I think, I think what the NFL is about, first and foremost, outside of making money, is, is optics. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't matter to them necessarily if, if their stance or their decisions on certain things are for the right reasons, as long as it continues to present the best version 
of the brand of the NFL, the shield. And I think that given all of the optics around this situation, it's what caught the MVP of the league being a part of that Black Lives Matter video and foreseeably the MVP of the league for future MVP or seasons to come. I mean, Pat Mahomes is not going anywhere, and he is a he is of this generation who is very outspoken about this. I think a lot of a lot of a lot of people, myself included, could could stand to do with some perspective before we get out there and and give our voices to these kind of things. But that at 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 its core, you cannot you cannot feud with Pat Mahomes if that is the league. Uh, if that's the league, who who is the MVP for? It just doesn't present the best image of football. And I think that's what they're about more than anything is the best image of football. And then can we continue to make billions of dollars? So here's the question. And I know there's no answer for this, but how many people – we know there are people that are absolutely – look, as far as I know, based on emails I got when I worked at the Tennessean, angry responses to a couple columns I wrote. There are people who turned off the Titans back then in that Seattle game and have never come back. They swore they were never coming back. But we know there are some people that are – that that is – either they did that or now they will again or, or finally will if it happens, you know, this fall. How many people are out there who thought something initially, didn't like it, had a problem with it, stop coming for a while, whatever it may be, and then listened and got a different perspective. I mean, it's got to be a pretty substantial group of people, I would think. And maybe I'm an optimist, but I think on the you big you tell me. I think on the big issue, plenty. I think on the flag issue, substantially fewer. And that, therein lies the the complicating factor for the NFL. And uh you know, maybe if we don't have full crowds because of COVID, uh, that, that takes some of the sting or importance or, uh, or optics out of it, uh, some of the gate uh, revenue out of it. But um, in terms of uh, those two issues are still clashing. And I don't think uh, heck, just from one day on the midday 180, I, I mean, I think there are people who've made progress on the bigger issue and understand the protest and what's being protest and, uh, protested and and why and can relate better um, to the plight of black people with, with police and to the idea of privilege, though still a lot of people having trouble with that, just not understanding, hey, I've had a hard time, I've worked hard, how is that different? And just not understanding that well, none of your problems have come from your skin color. We're not saying you haven't had problems. We're just saying your problems haven't come from your skin color. His problems have come from his skin color, and that's a way that we're different. Um, but put this in the mix with the flag and the anthem and the military and everything, and then it becomes a whole separate separate issue, really, I think. And, uh, and that, that's, that's the complication that the NFL has to deal with. And I don't know how you divide. I, I think in certain markets, it's, it's probably not a thing. I think in Nashville, Tennessee, there's no getting away from it. And quite frankly, Buck, we've had, we've had some talks about this. I think that's why the organization has been relatively quiet. And I think that's why that organization probably stays relatively quiet. They're in a, a no-win situation in some ways. Though, I mean, I think you just do what's right and you take, take the consequences. But 
that's easy for me to say. I'm not, it's not, it's not my business. Well, especially with how much financial uncertainty, I mean, they've, they've been having this issue in terms of getting people to engage with them, getting people to come to their games, just, just based off the football. Now you have something like this uh, torpedoed into the middle of it. And, and, you know, I do, I do sympathize to a degree, even though that's hard to imagine for a, you know, a billion dollar NFL franchise, because it's a tough spot. But I think, I think to your, to your question, Joe, I think that there is cause to be optimistic because at this point in time, it took the, it took sports to come to a complete and total halt for white people, the majority of white people to acknowledge that there is systematic racism. And I think that that is an advancement just based on the momentum that we're seeing right now. There is a, there is, if not consensus, the majority of white people are acknowledging that this is a problem that is plaguing African-Americans in this country. And so you start there. And to your point, Paul, about how, how some people can't quite equate that, you know, that they have been through hard times themselves, how much harder could it be? I thought this was a really, really eloquently made point by Bomani Jones on the idea that if, he gets why Dabo Sweeney misses the mark on a lot of this stuff. Dabo Sweeney grew up incredibly poor in backwoods Alabama as a white wide receiver who made it to onto an Alabama national championship team and then ultimately to go on to coach one of the best most successful college football programs in the country. And why wouldn't Dabo Sweeney think America isn't the greatest place in the world, given those examples? I thought that was an excellent point. Five minutes left. We've done a very, very serious podcast. What the hell is going on in your lives? I miss my friends. I haven't got to see either of you in person in a very long time, and it makes me sad. So I figure that's we how we're going to finish. We're both yeah, going to tell you that we have zero going on in our lives. Well, what the hell else do you want to talk about? Last time we did this, we were drinking beer in a hotel room in Indy because Rex Road got lost trying to find the actual courtyard, thinking mistakenly that he was in the actual courtyard. He went downgraded from beer to flavored carbonated water since then. Yeah. That's basically what's happening in my life. <laughs> how much weight have you lost, Rex Road? And why I've do lost, you refuse to add I've a lost few a few, ounces of yeah. this? See, if I could get a haircut and, you know, I might, you might be able to tell. I've lost a few pounds. Got a long, long way to go. Long way to go. Real quick, I want to make one point on privilege because you, you brought it up and I was like, oh, I can't wait to jump in with this. Um, I'm sorry. I think, I think, Paul, that's a, it's a great point about privilege real fast because the word privilege to people, they think, well, I wasn't right, you know, born with a silver spoon. And it's a bad word for it. Right. But white privilege, let me give you an example. In my home state of Michigan, where, by the way, in Howell, Michigan, where the KKK of Michigan has apparently been centered for a long time, they had a Black Lives Matter rally of like 200 people to the point of places you wouldn't expect it. There are people saying, yeah, like, we're, we're with this. But in my home state of Michigan, the capital, a whole bunch of white guys loaded up AR-15s and artillery and all this stuff to protest because they want to go get a haircut and they're mad about the COVID regulations. And they actually went to the Capitol and walked in. Okay. And I also think of Charlottesville when I think of this, you tell me if those people were black, what would have happened? Oh, yeah, somebody would have died. So, like multiple people would have so, died. So these may not be people of privilege, but there's white privilege right there for you among many other things. And it's just really, to me, the, the point of you don't have to think about race all the time. You, no. you can go out and live your life and not have to worry about it. Some people do not have that privilege. Right, so and anyway. Stop, and stop making race political, for God's sakes. It's two different things. Uh, 
If you want to, I mean, if you want to do that, you're, you're like not. racism. Racism is not political. Right. Correct. Uh, and that is policies that may fix things. Okay. That's that you can call that political, but this topic, man, no, no, without question. All right. Plugs on the way out the door for Paul Kaharski at midday 180 on 1045. The zone 10 to two Monday through Friday is where you can find the chief writing. Of course, at paulkaharski.com an article on Ryan Tannehill coming to your Twitter feeds and to your, uh, to your Google machines. Soon enough, Joe Rex Road, well worth your subscription at theathletic.com as he sits here sporting his T-shirt uh, that fits him much better now that he's down 15 pounds. You can get both of our, uh, our friends and their great Titans coverage, many other sports that are covered at, at The Athletic. Uh, boys, I appreciate the time, and I'm sorry we couldn't spend more time catching up. And for those of you listening, I'm sorry we didn't really accomplish anything or say anything. I've been away so long, I can honestly say I miss you guys. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of mutual, but at least this isn't the full room. I don't yeah. necessarily miss that. Well, you know, we, we could we could pick from the best from among us. <laughs> so it is time for five good minutes here on this Thursday before we send you on the way out the door and into the weekend. And I hope all of you guys enjoy your weekend safely, but uh, but with a little little extra activity, a little, little more outdoors, a little bit just. Just, you know, make sure you stay the hell away from people. I just I just want everybody to be able to get the back to normal as soon as possible. And I don't know what the hell's going on with COVID. All I know is that I'm tired of it. I want out of my house. I want us to all be able to enjoy our weekends together. And I feel like we're getting close. So just keep it up. You're doing a great job. Anyway, five good minutes here on a Thursday. Let's talk about NASCAR banning the Confederate flag from their, uh, from their races on Wednesday afternoon. Now, this was... By consensus, a shocking move to the, at least to the sports media community. And maybe we're not giving NASCAR enough credit. I think NASCAR, when it comes to the major American sports leagues, probably a little below soccer in terms of the public consciousness. I think NASCAR's got a little bit of an older audience. But they come out on Wednesday afternoon. This is three days after the Cup Series shows the unified front against racism at Atlanta Motor Speedway. You have Bubba Wallace. He's driving around in the number 43 Chevy with the black and white hands embraced in a uh, specifically modeled car to show support for Black Lives Matter. And then you see the statement come out from NASCAR, quote, the president, uh, excuse me, the presence of the Confederate flag at NASCAR events runs contrary to our commitment to providing a welcoming and inclusive environment for all fans, our competitors, and our industry. Bringing people together around a love for racing and the community it creates is what makes fans and sport special. The display of the Confederate flag will be prohibited from all NASCAR events and properties. Now, this is something that NASCAR's fans... We won't say the league, but NASCAR's fans have have a little bit of as an undertone, right? This is kind of ingrained within the culture of the sport. Now, I know plenty of NASCAR fans who are not supporters of the Confederacy, who do not advocate for this kind of stuff, and who are totally reasonable, normal people who just enjoy the sport of auto racing and not what it gets cartoonized as, 
which is a bunch of drunk hillbillies running around in an infield watching a bunch of guys turn left for four and a half hours. Like this is, and sometimes right, but mostly left. This is what NASCAR gets labeled as. But this is a pretty strong step in the right direction. Damn right you got rid of the Confederate flag at NASCAR races. Like I'm a little bit, you know, I just thought we were further along than this. And so I guess that's why my initial reaction was, yeah, sure as hell get rid of the Confederate flag at that particular uh, for, ban them from your events. Of course you need to do that. I'm not going to miss... Who's, who is going to miss that? And then I forget that there is a, a loud minority. It's a minority, but it's a loud minority who think that this is some kind of infringement on their rights. And I would just say to you that if you want your sport to thrive, to grow, you need more than... You need to be more open-minded. You need the support of other people who don't necessarily look like you and who may be offended by the idea of that cloth that represents more than systematic oppression, straight-up slavery. Yeah, most people don't want to see that in the middle of their NASCAR race. It's not a good look for the fans or the league. But NASCAR doing this and doing it so decisively, because here's... Here's where here's the difference between NASCAR and the NFL and this kind of stuff. The NFL reacts to the Black Lives Matter movement, to the video put together with all of the star players, most of the star players in the league, and for whatever reason, Anthony Barr, but we will not diminish Anthony Barr just for the purposes of this because the cause that he supports is a good one. But Pat Mahomes, the MVP of the league, Deshaun Watson, Zeke Elliott, Guys who you recognize, the Honey Badger, Tyron Matthew, Stefan Gilmore, great players in the NFL. They come together, they put together this video, they pressure Roger Goodell into making a statement that will not affect the bottom line of his league. And the difference here, and the reason why it's five good minutes, because it's a damn good thing that NASCAR did, because it wasn't about the money. Because this will affect NASCAR's bottom line. This was not done, this, this does not benefit NASCAR Really, it's just going to piss off a lot of people who have been loyal to NASCAR, who believe that this is an infringement upon their beliefs, that they believe it to be a part of cancel culture in a reality when not all cancel culture shouldn't be labeled as definitively as it is. Sometimes it's okay for things that represent bad stuff to be put behind us. It's a sign of growth. And the Confederate flag, I don't know what you make of what it actually looks like, whether you think that the design is cool or whatever the case may be. It's about what the thing represents. And NASCAR on Wednesday said, no, we don't want anything to do with this anymore. This is not the smart thing to do. And it's going to, it's going to not be received well by a lot of people who enjoy our sport and also we're going to take our lead from Bubba Wallace on this particular matter in, in a way that Bubba Wallace has not been this kind of vocal about racial issues in the past, but that's, a, that's of a lot of athletes right now. And I know you guys are tired of these kind of things being the topics of discussion in five good minutes when so much of our conversation has been centered around this kind of stuff, but that's what's happening in sports. This is society a societal microcosm that's represented within the sporting world. These are the things that the professional athletes are going through right now. College athletes, too. 
And that's five good minutes on this Thursday for you to get your weekend started with. Head into more NASCAR races, many of which will be received swimmingly this weekend by a lot of athletes who feel some kind of solidarity from a league that they know this is going to hit them in the wallet. And that's not always that pleasant. But it's the right thing to do. And it's five good minutes here on this Thursday. On the 615 Sessions podcast, great week of pods, great week of shows. By the way, if you're not following everything that we're doing on the A to Z Sports Network, you should be. We have great streaming shows six days a week, really. Sunday to Thursday, you can hang out with me on A to Z Sports Primetime on Facebook Live and on Periscope. Austin and Zach, the A to Z Sports Morning Show, they have you in the mornings, Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. Central Time. All you got to do is follow A to Z Sports on Twitter, on Facebook, on Insta. We are all over the place. Twitch, YouTube, got a great YouTube channel. And by the way, if you don't get enough of the 615 Sessions pod, it is available on the A to Z Sports YouTube page. So make sure that you check that out if you are so inclined. I am going to start my weekend off right. I am going to get it started early. I'm going to finish it up after we hear from John Robinson and Mike Vrabel. In a perfect world, we would have done the podcast after those two speak, since it's going to be the last time that we hear from them for some time. But I wanted you guys to be able to have these Tannehill comments first thing in the morning on Thursday for you to be able to consume, because this is this is the important story right now. And whatever Vrabel and Robinson say will be will be okay, but it's not going to be as impactful as what we heard today from the starting quarterback of the Tennessee Titans. So shouts to Paul Kaharski, shouts to Joe Rexroad, shouts to Ryan Tannehill for being hugely introspective and for Kevin Byard and Rashawn Evans, whom we did not hear from today, but were also very passionate and well thought out and well researched on the topics that we grilled them on collectively for the better part of an hour. They were all fantastic. Shouts to you guys who rate, review, and subscribe to the 615 Sessions podcast in the A to Z Sports Podcast Network where you get the Tighten Up podcast on Wednesdays. Me, every Tuesday and Thursday. And the Big Orange podcast comes your way with Charlie Burris and Zach Reagan on Monday mornings. A lot of great content coming for you here on the A to Z Sports Digital Network. Enjoy your weekend, and while you do so, stay clean, stay safe, and stay hot, Nashville. This has been the 615 Sessions podcast, powered by Tennessee Tickets. Brought to you as always by A to Z Sports and A to Z Sports Nashville.com.